Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Well, good morning. It's lovely to uh, see you all here this morning. My name is John Adams. If we haven't met, I'm the vicar here uh, at Emmanuel. And I'd like to just take a couple of moments to spend some time thinking about the passage that we've just heard read. I wonder whether you agree with this statement. It has never been easier to get directions, but it has never been harder to work out which destination to choose. We took a road trip to see our kids' godparents in Oxfordshire last week. It was wonderful. One of the challenges, as ever, was the route. And... uh, We set off in what we thought was the general direction, but we didn't actually have any postcode address or anything. We looked it up on our phones en route, and we actually realized that nothing in our email inboxes, nothing in our WhatsApp. Then we called our hosts, no reply. Uh, For a moment, we were looking down the barrel of an afternoon spent driving aimlessly around rural England, and then we remembered. You know, those uh, maps apps have that they've got the satellite mode where you can actually see what it looks like. And we actually remembered, we know what the garden looks like. So we zoomed in and started uh, panning around. And would you believe it, within five minutes, I actually found the house. And I thought, that's the one, put that in. And off we go, we arrived happily and well in time. We do live in extraordinary times. So do you remember the printed atlas? Do you remember? Where the scale was never quite big enough. So the tricky bit when you were on the tiny road, that's exactly what wasn't on the map. And then the M25 page just always got really, really dog-eared and then fell out. And then the kids stood on it and the dog ate it. And the page with Aberdeen just never got open, but drove hundreds of thousands of miles around, you know, the streets and roads of this country. It's extraordinary. It's never been easy. Never been easier to get directions. Flip side of that, it's never been harder to work out where it is we want to get to. I mean, that's true in terms of travel. Because we can get to any corner of the globe, so where do we want to go? And it's true in a more general sense, too. We have this immense privilege. We live in times of extraordinary freedom, personal freedom, and unprecedented peace for most of us. We have the permission to be who we want to be, to live as we wish to live, and that permission has never been so explicitly promoted. And most of the time, whatever it is that we do want to be or do, comes with free online instructions, And then so many ancient barriers that used to stand in our way, they've been taken down. And there is so much to give thanks for there. But that means there is also unprecedented pressure. Now that you have a million options, which one are you going to take? Of the endless possibilities, of all the looks, the identities, the holidays, the jobs, the hobbies, which are you going to go for? How are you going to decide? It has never been easier to get directions. It has never been harder to work out which destination to choose. Now, I wonder, as you think about that, where do you go first for 
guidance? Well, I guess in this room we're going to have a number of different answers to that. Today we're starting a brief sermon series running across the mornings and evenings at Emmanuel. It's called Jesus and the Word. And in it we're exploring what sort of expectations Jesus sets out for those who follow him about how we can navigate the choices of life, and particularly what place the Bible has in all of that. If you find that kind of stuff interesting, if you think it'd be helpful, uh, you can follow mornings and evenings. You can go online and, and follow up there if you'd like to listen. We'll have a couple in the morning, a few in the evening as well. This morning we're beginning with Jesus and the unbreakable word. Jesus and the unbreakable word. We're focused on what Jesus said about the trustworthiness of the scriptures, on what basis and how we can depend on them. Now, there's way more that we could say about this than I'm going to say this morning. Uh, But hopefully this morning will just be a bit of an introduction to that that will be helpful. And I want to say this morning, as with all of our teaching, uh, particularly the thematic stuff, uh, this series comes with a disclaimer. This is a best effort at trying to address some of the questions that we have uh, in relation to the Bible. I, I offer it in that spirit. My main aim, really, is to try to get back to the words of Christ himself. What did, what did he want us to expect? And, and I encourage you, test what I say on that basis, too. So that's why we're beginning with the passage that we just heard read, and specifically those words that uh, Stu picked out. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. They come uh, in the thick of a controversy in Jesus' ministry. People are wondering... Uh, who, who is Jesus really? Most recently, he has come out with this extraordinary claim. He said to the people around him, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Shepherd was not an unusual way of describing religious leaders uh, of Israel's uh, day. But obviously, when Jesus said, I am the good one, that was a bit of a pointed remark about everyone else around him. And now, those who are listening are asking for a bit more clarity. The Jews, it says, verse 24, who were with, who were there, gathered around him, said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear, or my sheep listen to my voice. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Well, uh, brief uh, recap on first century shepherding. Remember, there were no quad bikes, there were no border collies, there were no fenced fields. The way sheep were kept was based on the idea that they would follow their shepherd. And at times, one shepherd's flock might be grouped with another shepherd's flock. They might be in, in a pen for safety. So sheep needed to get good not only at listening to a shepherd's voice, They needed to know their own shepherd. If you're at a loose end this week, you can, like I did, while away a happy few minutes on YouTube, uh, watching videos about uh, sheep hearing shepherds' voices and people who aren't the shepherd talking to the sheep and they just kind of look at them with glorious indifference. And then the shepherd says something and they all run. It's wonderful. Um, In that way, that way, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Now, I've chosen to start here because this picture 
It's such a powerful image, isn't it, of God communicating with us. And I actually think this idea is much more important than anything we may say technically about the Bible. Why is that? Because first it starts with Jesus. Whatever we may say about how God speaks to us, how we deal with the challenges of understanding him in the Bible, this picture refocuses us. It says you and I, we're sheep, wandering the hills and valleys of life. We are in real need of spiritual nourishment and protection and direction. And for us, like those first century sheep, all our health, all our safety, our future depends on our shepherd, our good and faithful and compassionate shepherd, Jesus. And he is the one, verse 28 tells us here, who gives us eternal life. It says, so we would never perish. And because he loves us, we love him. And we love to hear his voice. And actually, we want to hear his voice. And this shepherd, our shepherd Jesus, tells us that he and the Father are one. So he's saying, look, my voice is the voice of God. All the more reason to go after it. Now, that is an extraordinary claim, isn't it? It's no wonder they crucified Jesus. But if it's true, it is also wonderful. Through Christ, you and I, we can hear the voice of God who made us. So everything we say about the scriptures, I think, needs to start with that picture. The start with that picture of Jesus. Jesus has to be the starting point. Now, of course, we can't know Jesus without actually reading about him. And in order to do that, we have to read the Bible. But I think the journey of embracing the place of the Bible in our lives starts with Jesus himself. So that's the first thing. It starts with Jesus. Second, closely connected, whatever we say about the Bible comes out of our relationship with Jesus. It comes out of our relationship with Jesus. Next slide, please. Thank you. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So listening to God's voice and knowing Jesus, these things are really closely connected. When I was a school teacher, we had an amazing colleague in the physics department who was also uh, a uh, top flight worship guitarist. And uh, uh, he was very popular with all, with all the kids, particularly when he did his kind of guitar-based physics lessons. Uh, and um, shortly before going to a new job, he, he gave a talk in, in chapel, and I still remember it. His entire course was, uh, talk was based on this question, do you know Jesus? And he said to the kids, look boys, I'm not asking you, do you know about Jesus? They knew an enormous amount about Jesus. They'd been to thousands and thousands of religious studies lessons and they came to chapel regularly. He said, do you know Jesus? Not do you know about Jesus, do you know Jesus? That is the question that is absolutely vital to how we approach the Bible. The sheep that hears her shepherd's voice listens to it, not just because she recognizes it, oh, that's my shepherd, but because she knows that shepherd. Oh, that is, that's the guy who feeds me all the time. He's brilliant. Who binds my wounds. Who carried me when I didn't have the energy anymore. She knows what he is like. And so she's ready to follow what he says. What we say and we feel out of the, uh, about the scriptures, it comes out of our relationship with Jesus. And of course, there's a challenge there too in the words that Jesus said here as he put them. He said, just as some of his earliest hearers, heard what he said, 
But they, they struggled to accept it because they didn't know him. Presumably right now, it's possible to hear really clearly what Jesus is saying. And yet not accept it because we don't know him. So our relationship with Jesus is absolutely vital. And it's key that whatever we do with the Bible, it comes out of our relationship with Jesus. Further, the scriptures are alive. The scriptures are alive. Now, uh, I have been here for um, almost three years, and I'm learning a few things about uh, this, the people of this church. Uh, next slide, if we may. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I'm always impressed by the book group chat that goes on, and I realize there are a lot of readers here. Imagine if we piled all the wonderful novels that we've read ever between us outside in a pile in front of the church. It would be massive. It would be an impressive sight, wouldn't it? But however large that body of literature, those books, they would still be inert, just fixed print. But Jesus prepares his followers for something else. He says, you can hear my voice. So as Christians look for the for the voice of Jesus, we expect him to come alive in his words to us. I don't know, you might want to talk about this in your small groups as you discuss these, um, these sermons, or, or perhaps afterwards. Perhaps you've had that experience. You're reading the words of scripture, they're ancient words, they're just letters, it's, you know, it's familiar from all sorts of reading, but suddenly they come alive to you personally. And you feel the Lord is actually addressing you. You hear his voice engage through those ancient words alive in that moment. So uh, the scripture comes alive. Uh, finally, it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. From this little phrase, we see the voice of God and therefore our approach to the written voice of God is a matter of obedience. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There is a deep connection between knowing God hearing his voice, and following what it says. The Christian is someone who knows the good shepherd Jesus as Lord, and so the Christian wants to go his way. We're looking for his voice. Jesus, speak to me. Speak to me so I can do what you want me to do. I don't know about you, but I, I just long to hear his voice in my life. I, 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 I'm, I pray, Lord, give me clarity. Speak to me so that I might understand what I'm supposed to do in the midst of the challenges that I'm facing. And because I believe that Jesus is good, because he's kind, because his concern for me is even deeper than my concern for myself, I want, I need to hear his voice so that I can obey him. Now, obedience is not a particularly kind of uh, popular or, or, or widely used concept. It, it often feels oppressive, doesn't it? But actually, for us as Christians, it's a delight, even if it's a struggle, because we love our Lord. I wonder what the greatest challenge for you right now in your life is, what area of struggle you're really trying to navigate right now. What does it mean to hear and listen and follow and obey the voice of God in it? So there we go. That's a little starting point for everything that we would say about the scriptures. My sheep hear my voice. Secondly, just very briefly, I'd like to start, and we're going to develop this more in the coming uh, weeks. Just think about what Jesus himself says about the scriptures, the written word of God. Of course, in his day, it was the Old Testament. 
And that comes in the second thought I'd like to share with you from a further phrase Jesus uses here. He says, the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. Jesus' opponents uh, take offense at his comparison of himself with God, and that's understandable. And so, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent him into the world? Now, it's a little bit complicated, this this exchange here. Basically, Jesus is answering his opponents uh, because of their objections. And what he does is he appeals to the Old Testament writings. Uh, and he says, look, you hold these things in esteem, so do I. Let me explain how they work. And he says that in the scriptures, he's talking about one of the Psalms here. They were happy to p- call people gods who received God's word. And he says, look, if I'm actually God's son, God the son, I'm way more worthy of that title. But the focus that I want to draw out here is just that little phrase that goes in the middle there. And the scripture cannot be broken. It might read something like this. The writings of the Old Testament can't be set aside. Of course, in Jesus' day, the New Testament itself didn't exist. As we wonder how we treat the scriptures, we we can take our lead here from Jesus as our example. We want to see them as he does. So... Here is one of the key emphases for Jesus. How does he see the scriptures? He sees them as trustworthy, dependable. They can't, they can't be broken. Or to put it more positively, they, they hold. And that's quite a challenge, I think, for all of us. Because we often come to this strange and ancient book, which is the, the scriptures, and we think, that looks a bit broken. You know, if it were up to me, I'd fix a couple of things. And Jesus kind of puts it the other way around. He says it cannot be broken. He encourages us to lean on it, to hang on its promises. And I think for most of us who are Christians, we at least have some sense of what he means by that. Um, I have the awesome privilege, somber privilege, of leading funerals as, as part of my role. And often people ask for Psalm 23, the psalm that we just sang. And in those moments of grief... Um, it's, it's a real privilege to hold out something really confident and clear as a word of assurance for people. Um, and I, it, uh, it sort of has a powerful effect for me personally. Reading this out, I, we, you always get to that moment. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think one of my roles is to say to people, that you can trust this. This confidence, this assurance here, you can trust the word of God. Now, having said that, there's a lot of challenges to working that out. Let's just think for a moment what that doesn't mean. It doesn't, of course, take away the difficulties that we have with Scripture. Uh, There are difficulties in reconciling parts of science and Scripture. Think about the creation narratives, for example. There are difficulties in reconciling parts of Scripture with one another the lengths of the reigns of certain kings and their names, to mention just one. There are challenges harmonizing the gospel accounts, what events came in exactly which order. Uh, there are genuine complexities in interpreting parts of scripture. We, you know, one bit seems to say that, another bit seems to say something else. How do we put this together? They are, there are linguistic, there are text, textual issues. We don't know exactly what a word is supposed to mean or whether it's being altered. 
None of those are new issues, but they are real issues, and, and we have to grapple with them. But sometimes we can do no better, really, than just suspend our judgment. A little bit in the same way that we're willing to do that with the love of God. You know, we obviously, we, sometimes we struggle with the love of God. We look at the suffering that there is in the world, but we don't think, okay, as a result, I'm just going to chuck out the idea of the love of God. We recognize this, this is the pattern that we are to go after, trusting it. So that's what it doesn't mean, and goodness me, we could write books more on what I've just said there, but we won't. What does it mean, though, is it means that we're encouraged to be confident in the Scriptures. Uh, Jesus' approach to Scripture is not arbitrary or, or subjective. You know, he doesn't just say, oh, here are some words on a page that could mean something today, that could mean something tomorrow, who knows, perhaps they don't mean anything. He speaks as if it means something. You can know what it means, and you can trust it. And that is what, I guess, it means for us to take them seriously as Christians as well. In the New Testament, uh, there is a lovely bunch of people called the Bereans. Uh, They appear as the message of the gospel goes out to the nations. And uh, Paul speaks to the inhabitants of the city of uh, Berea, and uh, they, they hear what he has to say, this new message about Jesus. And what they do is they take out their Bibles, Old Testament in their day, and they check out what he's saying. That's a great picture for us. Perhaps that's a great picture for you to do right now when you go home. Check. Did, did what I say, did that really match with the scriptures? Does it add up? Uh, that's a way for us to study them closely and make sure that we are in line with what they're saying. Many of us are Protestants. Um, and uh, we have our failings. But one of the things I think we can rejoice in in our Protestant tradition is this idea of coming back to the Word, discovering uh, what the Word itself says. And that's God's mechanism for our personal and corporate reformation. Now, we could say uh, so much more to that, but the Scripture cannot be broken is a great place uh, to, to be starting in terms of our confidence in the Scriptures So let me return to where I started. We're a world in which it's never been easier to find directions, but it's never been harder to know which destination to choose. I want to encourage each of you as you struggle with whatever it is that you're wrestling in your own life, as you encourage one another, as we shape our life together as a church to come to the trustworthy voice of God as his sheep and listen to it to guide us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have only just lifted the corner of what it means to trust you and to hear your voice. Lord, we thank you for our wonderful Lord Jesus, the one whom we know as shepherd the one whom we long to follow. Lord, we pray that you would give us the joy and indeed the challenge at times of hearing his voice individually and together as a church. And may that voice ring out far beyond this building into our community and beyond. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, 
visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.